We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome in to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. It is Sunday. It is the Sunday after Valentine's Day. How was everyone's day of love? <laughs> it was a it was a day of work. I don't know about you, Joe, well, but well, I'm sure you were working. Did you listen nine to noon? Let I, me tell part, you, it was I did. three hours of love, and <laughs> hope hope it continued on to your Valentine's Day night and weekend. But we have serious business to take care of this first hour. It is Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy, who is picking the bumps today, by the way. And I picked New York State of Mind, right? Because yes. Because we're talking NY27, So please, enough. please, uh, the text to the music today are geared towards Brenda. Because yes. let me tell you, on Friday, Brenda, people did not like my music bumps. Uh, and well. that's all we will say. <laughs> But we, yes, come at me if you don't like them. It's all my fault this time. Last week we had Nate McMurray in, and this week we have his challenger, Chris Jacobs, NY27 GOP candidate. Chris, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on getting the nod from the GOP. Thank you very much. What a easy first question. What do you have to say about the campaign your opponent is running against you? Well, I I focus more on the campaign for the voters and telling them about me and my vision for serving this district than, you know, what I'm running against or who I'm running against. So I'm focused more on uh, talking about the real issues, I think, that are of importance in the 27th Congressional District and also my desire to fight alongside this president, President Trump, uh, and all the great things I think he's doing for this country. And uh, it's my belief that he will win a second term. I want to be part of uh, his team to be an ally in, in Congress to make sure he can continue to do the great things he's done to turn our economy around, to secure our borders, to stand up for us internationally, to fight for trade deals that are pro-American. So that's really what I'm talking about. Because of the unusual circumstances surrounding NY27, uh, Chris, there's a lot of talk that this is garnering national attention. Have you heard from uh, anybody on the Trump team thus far? And do you expect anybody to campaign locally for you? I have heard from many in the leadership, congressional leadership. Uh, Lee Stefanik was one of the first people to call me when I got the nomination, which I was thrilled by. And it certainly moved me up the ranks with my wife because she thinks that Lee <laughs> Stefanik's great. Uh, uh, Steve Scalise has uh, endorsed me as well. Steve is the minority whip. He's also known as one of the people, unfortunately, was shot during right. the shooting at the... Uh, and a real stalwart supporter of this president, and uh, and also Kevin McCarthy, the the leader in, in Congress. So great to have that encouragement, and I've gotten a lot of other calls from leadership in in the con- Congress. So 
I'll take whatever it can get. I know he's a busy guy, but uh, more importantly, I'm going to be talking about this president, what he's done for this region, and also uh, how we can make sure we continue the momentum that he's built in this first term. Now, Chris, what do you say? Because when it was the four of you running for the GOP nod, and now you've even heard Nate McMurray say it, what do you say to critics that say that you aren't that much of a fan or weren't a fan of the president? Not true. I've, I've been a fan of the president. I voted for the president in 2016. I'll vote for him for certainly this year. And uh, I, you know, a- accusations about that have been refuted. Uh, there was a third party analysis by political fact that, f- that found that not to be true. So I am supportive of this president. As I said, he's done incredible things for this country and also the state. Uh, I, I wish that uh, we could have leadership in the state, which would make some reforms so we could benefit more by the prosperity, the environment of prosperity that this president has let, uh, laid forth. Uh, that's another issue that we need to focus on. We need new leadership uh, in terms of the governor. Chris, you had mentioned uh, after President Trump was acquitted uh, that the impeachment um practice or, you know, the whole impeachment process was a farce. You said it was a sham impeachment rooted in revenge and partisan politics. Uh, Is that your view to this day, even after, you know, the dust has settled somewhat? Oh, absolutely. And I'm disappointed in my opponent saying that he wants to begin impeachment proceedings again. And this is what's going to happen if, uh, you know, this is what I want to be part of making sure that we get the majority back in the Congress so we can't have Nancy Pelosi ripping up State of the Union addresses or grinding us to a halt in terms of moving forward with things that really are needed by tying up the uh, legislative body in ridiculous witch hunts like we saw with the impeachment. I mean, when there was an article in the Buffalo News about the last impeachment of Clinton and uh, Jack Quinn talked about the fact that during that time, the most frustrating element was nothing got done. No legislation was passed. It was completely polarized. They were all absorbed by this. And clearly, this Democratic leadership is fully absorbed with trying to take out the president and not trying to do really what's needed uh, for the residents in this district and throughout the country. Your opponent last week mentioned how New York State is still suffering, and he attributed that to President Trump. But as you said, and as I argued last week, a lot of those have to do with how Albany responded to the Trump tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think needs to be done, maybe in Congress or maybe in Albany, that New Yorkers, especially in NY27, can start seeing the effects of the better economy, the better job numbers that haven't translated to New York State? Well, certainly, I, the good news is that we are doing better here. We have probably the lowest unemployment rate in Western New York than we have in decades. Our job growth is uh, is is on, uh, on the right side. The problem is compared to other areas around the country, we're not. You know, we're we're growing at one percent and they're growing at three, or we're growing at one percent two. For every one job we're creating, other places of real prosperity are creating five. So we need to take what the environment and the national stage, which this president has achieved through the tax reforms and regulatory rollback, which is as significant as the tax reforms, and then try to mirror that in our state policies. Unfortunately, I'm in the state Senate right now. We lost the majority there. So both bodies, the legislative bodies, are controlled by Democrats, not just Democrats, very left-leaning Democrats from New York City. And then we have the governor who tries to be as progressive as possible now, unfortunately. And uh, so they're not looking at policies that would 
mirror what the president has done so we can really benefit. So we need a new leadership. We need leadership in taking back the Senate, and I believe there's a good chance of doing that in 2020, and then um, moving towards real leadership in this governor because he has just not demonstrated a real interest in doing what is right in terms of creating an economy that grows. We're the only one of the only places that's really losing population as a state. That's not a prescription for moving forward long term. You know, Chris, it's interesting you say that because how do you bust through? But yet you have busted through over the years. You were the first county clerk, first Republican uh, county clerk in 40 years. And you've been able to work with both sides of the aisle. What can you specifically do to help break that that jam with uh, a Democrat like Andrew Cuomo in the governor's mansion and uh, an assembly that's dom- uh, dominated right. by Dems? I, th- I think there's opportunities, and I've talked about this, that certainly I'm running to be a member of Congress, but I'm going to be keenly uh, interested in finding ways for the for the country, I mean, for the state to move forward. And so if there's ways, whether it be a bully pulpit and saying, you know, New York State, you need to do this, or or pushing for things that uh, can, can leverage to get the change. And I'll give you an example. We have a provision in New York State law, which we're the only state that still has this arcane law called the scaffold amendment, a scaffold law. And what that does is it requires that if, if somebody is working at your job site or a construction site and they are on an, eleva- uh, on an elevated structure, could be a two-step step ladder, if they get injured, that employer is 100% liable. No matter what that person did, if that person went to lunch and got completely drunk, came back to work and fell, you are absolutely liable. It's a, it's a field day for the trial attorneys. They make money uh, uh, hand over fist. And the consequences, we have some of the highest insurance rates in New York State. It cost, I believe, the Tappan Zee Bridge alone and cost taxpayers about $300 million in additional mm-hmm. costs. So that cost is spread every single public and private project. Uh, Chris Collins put forth a law that said, if federal money is used for a state project, you can't have the scaffold law. We're not going to pay for that ridiculous law. You have to imply uh, uh, comparative negligence, which every other state does. That's an example of using the uh, the, per, the power of the purse of the federal government to try to finally get the state in order. There's a lot of examples like that, and those are the things I would look towards. Doing. I was going to say, there's a lot of tort reform needed, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We are the tort reform, uh, tort capital of the of the country. <laughs> we are just getting started here on Hardline. A quick break, and when we come back, we will continue with NY27 candidate Chris Jacobs. Spreading the news. I'm leaving today. You see, it, it's Frank Sinatra singing it, and I love this version, but all I can think of, the negative aspect, it means the Yankees won. Uh, so, uh, you know. Uh, well, Joe, that's not why I picked it. I'm not trying to rub salt in your wound here, being a Mets fan. Hey, hey, you know but what? It's a new season. It, that's true. Hope springs eternal, right, for all of us long-suffering that's sports right. fans. But. I was thinking, you know, if I'm going to pick the bumps this week, we've got to make it relevant to the conversation. And we have State Senator Chris Jacobs. So is that in the studio. terminology bump? Is that bump? Yeah, that the, the music or what you're talking about going in and out of a gotcha. break. Yeah, little little radio lingo. Okay, good, good. 
for you, Senator. Um, So anyways, we wanted to keep it uh, specific to what we're talking about, which is NY27 and uh, the GOP endorsed candidate is indeed in the house with uh, Beamer and myself. Chris Jacobs is here. Chris, I've got to ask you about the marathon session where you emerged as the victorious candidate on Nick Langworthy came out and said, you're the man. What was that process like when you were down in uh, at Burncliff, uh, kind of making your case for becoming the candidate? Well, this has been a very interesting campaign with a lot of twisted turns. And I've been an announced candidate for nine months now. So I, I announced very early. I felt it was very important. Uh, even when Chris Collins was talking about that he was going to run again, I, I just felt that wasn't going to happen. And uh, I felt I, this district's so large, it's about the size of Rhode Island, that I really wanted to be the announced candidate, be fully transparent that that's my goal, and get around this district so I could really meet the voters, have them meet me, and also get a better sense of under, really understanding the issues. And there's a lot of common issues, but that there's also one specific to certain areas. So I have a long, long way to go to learn more and meet more people, but I, I feel like a better candidate now. This was a very difficult once the special election was going to come about with after Chris Collins resigned because I was saying, you know, I'm kind of running a campaign to convince eight people to vote for me, <laughs> the eight chairman of the – so it was not ideal and I don't think they liked it either. I think they they would rather have it gone to a vote but, it, you know, this is the way it worked. So – and it was also very hard because, uh, you know, I think very highly of some of the other candidates that were running, my colleagues, Rob Ward, who mm-hmm. I sit next to in the legislature and we've worked a lot. He's a great guy and – uh, not easy to run against a fellow Republican, but I think uh, he and I, you know, worked well together, and we're continuing to work in the legislature uh, as we go back uh, to work. So uh, I'm honored, and I know it was a difficult decision on their part, uh, but I'm going to make them proud, and I'm going to win this race. What put you over the edge? Do you think, Chris? Why did they choose you ultimately? I I tried to make the case that uh, I have a diversity of experience, unique. I'm a business owner. I've owned my own real estate development company for 18 years. I've also served stints at every level of government, uh, from the federal level, my first job out of college working for Jack Kemp in Washington, D.C., to the completely local level, being a school board member. And uh, also been very involved in the charitable sector. I started a scholarship program called the Bison Fund, a scholarship program for kids whose families want to send them to private and religious schools. So I felt that the diversity of experience I had would make me uh, impactful legislator and ready to. I, I I think the experience I've gained in the last thirty years of professional life have has made me able to be really impactful. Also, I believe that the fact that I've run hard campaigns in the past. I ran for county clerk twice. First Republican elected county clerk in Erie County, which is two to one Democrat, and also I've run two elections and one in the Senate. I'm in the most Democratic Senate seat of any of the Republican has held Senate seats in the Senate. that uh, This is going to be a very difficult race. Uh, this is not going to be a race in the typical New York 27, which is a very red district. This is going to be skewed to the Democrats. The governor did this for a reason, putting this election on the date of the presidential primary. Donald Trump will likely not not have, have anybody running against him. So he will, the turnout will be low as far as driven for Donald Trump. And then there will could be three or four, probably four now, presidential candidates, uh, one of them, Michael Bloomberg, with billions of dollars to spend, driving out Democratic vote. So we're going to have to come out and really run a unique race. And I believe I'm the one that has the demonstrated ability to do that. 
And I, I think that was a compelling message of one of many. Do you think another thing working against you in this special election is that Chris Collins did run for re-election and everything that happened with the seat after he pled guilty? Uh, what would you say, obviously looking back, hopefully Chris Collins wouldn't run, right? Um, what, what do you say to people who might be on the fence because of Chris Collins and Republicans holding the seat? Say that again. What, what do you mean that like Chris Collins ran? So Chris Collins ran and he said he was going to serve out the entire term. Um, we know that didn't happen. That's why we're mm -hmm. in this situation. Do you think there are some people who might be on the fence to vote for another Republican? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the party did get behind Chris Collins when he ran um, in 2018. Yeah, I, I would say the whole Chris Collins thing is is very disappointing and uh, disappointing. I felt there was a little bit of using the voter um, uh, in terms of uh, what Chris Collins said, that he said he was innocent and he was going to be exonerated and this was a witch hunt. And then inevitably he pled that he did did do it. So I, I, I think that may be a challenge. I, I would hope that uh, my track record of, I think I've, I've I've conducted myself with integrity as I've been an elected official, and I want to restore integrity to this district. I do think, though, the issues will prevail, and I do think that when you hear of a candidate that I'm running against that says things like, we need socialism, I, I think that that is going to prevail, that that is just not in alignment of the majority of the voters in the 27th Congressional District. Chris, when you're out and about in that vast district of NY27 and they see you, uh, a wealthy white male who's Republican, do they say, we don't need another guy like you, we just had a guy who ended up in, who's ending up in prison now. Do you get that kind of feedback at all? I have not. I, I don't. I. I don't think this is a district that gets into class warfare, um, and uh, you know that's something I'm certainly the uh, the Dem leftist Democrats seem to uh, parlay in all the time. But I, I think they're more concerned about somebody who has a demonstrated ability and concern uh, to be a public servant. And I think I, with all humility, I, I believe I've done that. I think I've done that in my business endeavors, trying to revitalize areas that have been challenged with, uh, with neglect. I think I've done that trying to help kids have a better chance with a better education. And I think I've done that uh, as a school board member, as a member of the Senate, as a clerk. I, I think I've conducted myself in a way that has demonstrated I have genuine interest to try to improve this community. And that's what I want to do. I want to go to Washington to fight for Western New York, fight for Western New York's comeback, and fight alongside this president. We've got about 30 seconds left before we hit the news break. And uh, Chris, do you, are you in contact with Brian Higgins at all? I mean, do you feel like you have bipartisan support from another guy who often says what you just said? He wants to fight for Western New York. I've, I've certainly worked with Brian in the past um, because, um, you know, when I when I was school board member, I was in Buffalo and uh, he, he represents a, the, all of Buffalo. So uh, Brian is a guy I think that's uh, he's been focused on certain issues and kept pounding away on them like the waterfront. And uh, I respect that. All right. More to come with Chris Jacobs. But first, we have to get up to date with Mr. Alan Harris. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. It is Hardline. Now, Brenda, I'm interested in why you picked this as a bump. Here we go. Well, one of the reasons I picked it was because Chris Jacobs is staying alive. He was chosen as the uh, as the uh, GOP candidate for the NY27 primary. Well, that so, works. And that was kind of my, my thinking. All right. Well, Chris, as you know, we had Nate McMurray in here last week. I just want to play your clip. And, and what he says here, it's not just Nate saying it. We've noticed it by a lot of people who are on the political left who might be very active on Twitter. Also, uh passing this message along are going with this theme. So I'll play the clip and then your response. Um, I also think it's, I, it's fair to bring up the fact that he is so wealthy. I mean, his disclosures state his wealth, and most of it comes from inherited wealth. Um, and I think when you have one of the it's worst job markets in the country in NY27, the average household is somewhere between thirty dollars and $50,000 a year, I'm not sure how a person who has never struggled to pay a bill or never struggled to you know, pay for health care or never struggled to find a job can really relate or understand the needs of the people of this region. Now, that wasn't the only time he said that in the hour, but that was one of the times. What is your response to that? Well, I think that this, I, I don't think the 27th district is, you know, class, a class war for a place. I think that uh, people, uh, embrace success and want to see more of it. I'm one reason I'm running. Look, my just on a, to explain something, obviously Nate is referring to my uncle's company, Delaware North. Uh, I, I'm very proud of my uncle and my cousins who run that company and what they've done for this community. My, my grandfather started that business 100 years ago in downtown Buffalo. They are still headquartered in downtown Buffalo. I don't know many other businesses that have done that and employ hundreds and hundreds of employees over the over generations. But I have no involvement with Delaware North. Uh, I have no ownership in Delaware North. I've never, never had. My father was a physician. So uh, having said that, look, my grandfather started Delaware North, a sports service when it was called, uh, when he was 14, 15 years old, selling popcorn outside the sporting stadiums, baseball stadiums in, in Buffalo. He built that to a successful business. He worked his fingers to the bone. He died at his desk at a young age. But he did that so his, his, his future generations would never have to endure the poverty that he experienced. Uh, I'm very proud of that. Uh, my grandfather achieved the American dream. I'm running for Congress to make sure this is an America where more Delaware Norths can happen. 
And um, Nate McMurray is, is said socialism, we need socialism. I don't believe that. I believe we need more opportunities, and that's what I'm fighting for in this area. Now, I've never worked for Delaware North. I have my own business. I did my own thing. I'm my own man. I'm proud of what I've I built in my own real estate company, and I'll, I'll run on that record. But if you have questions in Delaware North, you're going to have to ask my relatives. Chris, are you surprised at how far left uh, the Democrat Party seems to be at this point? Are you uh, seeing that trend not only locally but across the state and talking to people around the country? I am. I'm. I'm. I'm shocked every day when I see what I'm seeing up in Albany. Uh, for instance, the fact that they have not admitted their mistake in the bail reform up there. Uh, this is this is something we're seeing day in day out uh, by the fact that. Real criminals are being put right back on the street and committing crimes again. I mean, we literally had an instance where somebody robbed a bank because of this bail reform. They were let right out and went and robbed another bank that <laughs> very day. And this is real. This is really happening. And what are, are the leadership in the Senate and the Assembly saying? We need to double down. We need more. We need to go further. So these are examples of, of what we see. The green light bill, uh, not admitting that this was, you know, Every Republican, without exception, spoke about the concerns of the Green Bill when it was being passed in the middle of the night last session. I, as a former Erie County clerk who ran DMV, I said, please, I have real-world experience of knowing what this is going to happen. We've made it so in easy, which has been a good thing in the past, to make it easy for people to register to vote while they're at DMV. But now, if you're letting in people who are not here legally, illegal immigrants, to come in DMVs, it's one push on a keypad and they are registered to vote and that goes to the board of elections they are on the voter rolls and there's no identification this is going to cause rampant voter fraud so on and on and on and now we see the problems with the trusted traveler program this was something that should have been discussed they didn't want to know about it they rammed it through and these are the kind of radical policies that we're seeing in in new york and in in um in Washington. And I feel there's a lot of moderate Democrats in areas like ours uh, that are feeling really lost in terms of where did this party go? And uh, I hope as they consider a home in the Republican Party. Now, it's been talked about a lot this week, the Trusted Traveler program, as you touched on. Do you think the president was right to freeze those programs like Nexus and Global Entry? I, yes, I will say that there. I think there's about 15 states unfortunately, that have passed versions of the green light bill. And uh, we are the only state, though, that blocked access to DMV records for Homeland Security and Border Patrol. We're the only ones. So when the governor says this was only political to get back at him, you know, sometimes it's not all about you, governor. <laughs> this was a legitimate thing. I, I think the U.S. attorney had a press conference in downtown Buffalo to, you know, and he's a guy, I think he's got a lot of credibility, Mr. Kennedy, to say, Look, this is not about politics. This is real. We need this real-time information from the DMV. I know it. I saw them access it when I was there to do their jobs, not just for the applications of Nexus, but also on an ongoing basis, to human uh, smuggling, drug trafficking, and all the other things that come across our border, the bad things that they stop that we rarely hear about. So I think he was right. I think it was really interesting. The governor, uh, in hat in hand, went to meet with the president on Friday to, to see if they could work something out. You don't see him do that uh, 
usually, at least quickly, and he acted pretty quickly to, to go to talk to the president. We'll see what happens. I've introduced legislation this week to strip um, the green light law of every provision that's blocking DMV access. I think that's going to get bipartisan support because people are very frustrated. What do you say to not only the governor who wants to block DMV access, who has spoken out against ICE, but also locally, the county executive who last summer posted a graphic on his Twitter on how to avoid ICE if they come to your door. What is this with seemingly the people on the left side of the aisle and their, uh, them being against ICE and trying to get anything out there to make sure people know how to avoid them? I, you know, Nate McMurray is for sanctuary cities. He's mentioned that. He says he thinks more cities should be like San Francisco. God help us if our city became like San Francisco. So I disagree with these anti-law um, enforcement uh, tone that we have. We need to work as partners. This is about keeping people safe. And I just wanted, when you talk about the demonization of ICE, the demonization of Border Patrol, you know, I, I really tried to understand these issues. That's one reason, again, I, I announced so early. The border security is, is a huge issue for this nation. Obviously, we live up here in the north. We don't see it as, as much directly as in the southern border. So I travel down to the southern border to meet with Custom and Border Control to really see the border. To, I was extensively briefed by Custom and Border Patrol about what they're doing. And the 20 to 25 Border Patrol agents that I met down there, without exception, they were 100% supportive of President Trump and supportive of the border wall. The Rio Grande Valley, where I was uh, touring, is kind of ground zero of illegal border entry. About 40% of all illegal passings come at the Rio Grande Valley sector in south, southern Texas. And why is that? Because so little of the wall is built there. In the California sector, it's only 8% of legal passages because most of the wall is constructed. The wall is the first thing that needs to happen if we're going to start turning the tide on this illegal entry. And this is not just people coming over. This is also a major source of where the drugs come from, fentanyl, heroin, all those things that are killing people on a daily basis, the uh, opioid crisis we have here. So this is real, real-life things, and these people are patriots doing the right thing to keep us safe. Chris, uh, back to the green light law. You talked about introducing the bill to revoke that. Where does that stand right now? What's the next step? Well, I just introduced it, and uh, so I'm talking to my colleagues, and uh, I, I imagine we're going to get a lot of Republican support. But I've heard it's interesting, this issue. I've heard Monica Wallace, who is a Democrat in the area, mention that we need to resolve it. And I also know that actually two fairly liberal members, Patrick Burke and Sean Ryan, both voted against the green light law. So they even, I think, heard from the residents. So I think there's an opportunity here. Uh, I think, again, uh, I hope the green light law is completely rescinded, but I think this would be a major step in the right direction. All right, one segment to go this first hour of Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. You can talk to me, Joe. Ah, I see. All right. You got it? I, I'm i not really good at, at, at playing the guess the tune game, I guess, because I thought this was photographed by Def Leppard. No, 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 so, no. That's no, not quite, that's Joe. One of, the, one of the concerts I am looking forward to this summer, as we have a plethora of Oh, there's so Buffalo. many great shows. Did you see there was like three or four announced all at once this past week? Yes, yes. Uh, 
one you know I'll be going to, the Backstreet Boys, yes. uh, Janet Jackson. That's who I'd like to Rage see. Against the Machine, yep. which I'd like to know at two fifty a ticket, what machine are they raging against, <laughs> and Chicago at Art Park. That'll be fun, too. So, yeah, yeah, it's certainly a versatile lineup. Yeah, should be fun. Should be a good summer. Uh, we are with Chris Jacobs, NY27 candidate for the GOP. And Chris, you know, we see on Twitter, uh, hashtag debate Nate. So the question is, will you debate Nate McMurray? I look forward to it. Uh, yes, I uh, we're, we're actually working to try to create a debate here to set up a debate here with the station. So I thought the, that that would be a great way to get really get it out versus uh, I I will do whatever I can. Obviously, I'm still up in Albany uh, and uh, in session. So limited as far as of some of the debates that were, were offered, but I, I, I relish the opportunity to debate Nate McMurray. And well, we hope it's here. I, I do too, Joe. That'll be great. And Chris, um, Stefan Mihailo, who was also vying for the seat, said he would debate Nate McMurray. Mm-hmm. I think McMurray had you in mind when that was offered, <laughs> but uh, what do you make of uh, Stefan's uh, position in this in this race? And I also want to ask you your opinion of Darian uh, Town Justice Beth Perlato, who was, she said, determined to stay in the race. Yes. Uh, I... You know, it's a free country, and uh, I, I believe in campaigns. I believe I've never had a campaign where I didn't have somebody I had to run against. Uh, I think that makes you a better candidate, and inevitably, if you prevail, uh, a better member of, of Congress or a better legislator, because it forces you to work harder, work forces you to know the issues better, and uh, so that's really what I've been used to. So I I welcome it. I love competition, and. Uh, Look, I, it's, these are all good Republicans. Uh, I've, as I mentioned, Rob Ward, who's not going to be in the primary, but he's a colleague of mine. I've worked with Stefan in the past. Uh, I actually, Stefan was uh, the PR guy for the Buffalo School Board when I was there. So I battled with him a bit because he always was defending the superintendent. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I've known Steph for a while. And uh, Beth, I've come to know she's uh, an impressive person. And uh, I look forward to uh, debating her and, and, and campaigning with her. And Stefan often refers to as a, quote, moderate Republican and, quote, an Mm -hmm. anti-Trumper. It's almost like a a dirty word when he says that. Uh, Chris, are you offended by that? Well, I'm bothered by the fact that when something is told to be untrue and that the never-Trumper accusation, there was a third-party political fact analysis would found that to be untrue. And uh, this was... uh, And... Can, you know, this thought that you can say something that's untrue over and over again, and it becomes reality. Well, that's just not the case. And that's really not the way you should be doing things. So, you know, it's a lie. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that he continues to do that. But I really believe it undermines credibility. And actually, unfortunately, I think the first person that perpetuated that lie is going to be going to jail soon. So I would stay, I recommend staying away from that. But, uh, you know, he, he's going to do what he's going to do. You did a good job of answering my question. That was I was going to say, where did this uh, never Trumper start? Uh, Chris, what do you say? Because you have a very busy schedule. I mean, you're in Albany. You're on the campaign trail. Nate is just campaigning, so he's got the upper hand there. Um, what do you say to his Twitter attacks? I mean, he's asking you to debate, and you've clearly said you will debate. You think he's just using this as another campaign strategy? I, I do. This is kind of like... Yeah, this is not 
he's, this is not his idea. A lot of people have done this in the past, you know, challenge you to debates and say you're not doing that. Actually, they sent the press release out before they ever reached out to us. Also, you know, if you go online, it takes about one minute to see the schedule, the legislative schedule. Nearly every one of these debates that they schedule was when I was going to be in Albany. So they knew that. But we're going to get we're going to debate. I believe we have one set. Of, we're doing a candidate event in Wyoming County. We really want to do it here. So a significant amount of people can hear and hear the distinction. Let me, you know, the distinction with myself, I am pro second amendment. I defended the second amendment when I was Erie County clerk. Nate McMurray has said the NRA are homegrown terrorists. That's, that's a quote from Nate McMurray. Uh, he supports sanctuary cities. I'm pro-life. Nate McMurray stated abortion opponents are the American Taliban. That is a tweet from Nate McMurray. He says we need socialism. I disagree. I think socialism is the path towards communism. I am adamantly against that, and I'm against uh, the socialized medicine, which he is supportive of Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All. So uh, there are distinct di differences. I want people to know this. There is a distinct choice here on the direction of this district and the direction of this country. Uh, so this is uh, going to be a campaign where there's a real choice between the direction of the country and who you want to represent you. State Senator Chris Jacobs, Joe, uh, kind enough to join us this morning for an hour, 60th district. By the way, Chris, who do you think will succeed you if you were to become the NY27 representative? I very much believe that it's important to keep this in, in Republican hands to help keep the majority. So I'm working to make sure we have a high quality candidate and I will make sure that I can do everything I can to, to um, get us back in the majority. And I think that we are going to pick up a lot of states, uh, districts in Long Island, which we lost because of the irresponsible governing we've seen with this Democrat majority, like the bail law. Thanks right. so much for joining us. Yes, Chris, thanks for joining us here on Hardline. If you missed any of that, it'll be available on demand after the show. Or if you'd like to go back right now, you can rewind on the radio.com app. But there is one more hour with Brenda and I after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 